2: hello and welcome to next level i'm your host chris tallman now i've always been on the lookout for what i'm going to call great things stuff that my friends love that i've never heard of but i need to know about them you know like when everybody was telling you you gotta watch the wire or you gotta binge watch making a murderer on netflix right now no right now you gotta watch it I remember uh, I heard in an interview with Josh Whedon, I had read it, I can't remember, but he mentioned this bottle of wine that he liked, I think it was a Chardonnay, I can't remember, but the name on the label was Flower. Now something about me, I know nothing about wine. I once had a glass of something, I think it was called Black Guts, all I know is that it was from Australia, and I loved it, and I wanted to buy some, so I had wine that I actually knew what it was, that I liked. But of course, it's some rare thing. It doesn't exist anymore. But that really stuck with me. Not knowing anything about something and that thrill of discovering a specific taste that I liked. That day I found out Black Guts was for me. So now I try to write things down when people tell me about a documentary they love or this one episode of Good Times that changed how they see comedy. Other people's great things might be mine too, or at least I hope so. Now, I haven't found flour, But I still have it written down in my phone, along with a men's clothing website called Dapper Man. It's supposed to be good. As well as there's a secret way to get on this one ride at Disneyland. We'll talk about all that stuff later. So here's how Next Level works. I'm going to bring in someone that I'm a fan of. That is guest number one. Now, me and guest number one will talk about the stuff that they love, and maybe we'll discover something in common. Hopefully, they'll tell me about something I've never heard of before, but I can't wait to track it down as soon as the interview's over. And here's the cool part. My producer, Kevin, has tracked down somebody that guest number one is a fan of. That's what Kevin does. He's a tenacious bulldog of a man. And then after our break, we'll come back, and then we'll take things together. To the next level, where me and guest one will now talk to guest number two, and they'll tell us about the stuff they love, the shows that they're fans of, the earbuds they can't wait to get, whatever. So there you go, two conversations about stuff that we love. We're all nerds, sometimes you just don't know it yet. So let's start. Ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to present my very first guest ever, comedian and mayor of All Things Podcasts, Mr. Paul F. Tompkins. Hi. Oh, and you're a giant. I'm a giant. Thank you for letting me squeeze myself into your studio. I love your giant Christmassy (laughs) robe. Are you the ghost of Christmas present? Better not tell you now, but seriously, get your life in order. Oh, God. (laughs) It's Uh, bad. (laughs) The part... (laughs) In Scrooge, all, Scrooge, well, not a Christmas carol. Shorthand, You get it, yeah. The musical, uh, yeah, in the musical. <laughs> That's right. When all the people are talking about Scrooge after he's dead, mm-hmm. I, you can cut that part. We get it. I tell you what, though, if you're Scrooge, mm-hmm. you got to feel great, like they're still talking about me. That's true. But aren't they like also going over, like, oh, I stole his candlesticks. Like it's he's dead, <laughs> yeah, and they've like they've ransacked his house.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: don't need that part. I like that part.
3: Why? It, because it's
2: unsettling. I like where the uh, the the Grim Reaper is showing him around. Oh, that character every every time I see their production, all I'm waiting for is how are they going to do Christmas Future? Yeah, because when it's truly scary, mm-hmm. yeah, because it, it, it really is. It's like we think it's a Christmas ghost. Mm-hmm. That's death. <laughs> no. Because everyone's future is death. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> uh, so, Paul, here's the deal. Yes. Explain the deal to me. Uh, all I want to do is talk about the things that you love, the mm-hmm. things that we love together. Because you are a comedian, yes. I thought we'd start with the influences. Like when you were a little kid, I was just listening to you talking about Monty Python. Mm-hmm. I had the same experience as you. You loved Monty Python when you were a kid.
3: Yeah, for sure. Hit it. For sure. For me, stand-up and sketch right. were like neck and neck mm-hmm. in, in terms of the stuff that I voraciously consumed as a, as a kid. How Are we like seven, eight-year-old kid? I, I mean, as early as I can remember. Got it. Like seeing any kind of comedy on TV, mm-hmm. I I was enwrapped. I, I loved it all.
2: And we can't emphasize this enough to all you millennials and dum-dums. All, two separate groups. Yep. But they often, that Venn <laughs> diagram, <right>. big overlay, <laughs> like, all, that's all there was, was three channels. Yeah. I feel like, we keep pounding this into the ground, but it can't be emphasized enough. You yeah. have to get up and change the channel. So if like Challenge of the Super Friends was on, that's what you watch. That's right. You didn't like go on to Netflix and go, nah, I really like just Black Manta. But I. But yeah, it's, it's, it
3: is good to note that the idea of three channels because comedy was an oasis. Yeah. It was... The idea that you would you would be finding that there was a thing out there that you could that you could love as much as Monty Python or the Carol Burnett Show. Oh my goodness! Or uh, SNL. When yeah. I got a little bit older, SCTV. Yeah, like this stuff was uh, it, it was everything to me, and it was, it was everything to me.
2: It's Monty Python's Flying Circus. I, I feel like too, especially being a kid watching that stuff it really was grown-up. Mm-hmm. So if you were a kid sneaking to watch that stuff, you felt like I'm in on a secret thing that nobody else knows about. That's
3: such a huge part of it for me. That's such a huge part of it for me, and I think it's informed uh, my entire aesthetic and, and why I, I look the way that I do and why I, I sound the way that I do well, is because I was always trying to emulate grown-ups. Right. So when I would see sketch shows where I would see stand-up, stand-up especially... At the age when I was a kid, everyone wore suits and ties, right? And uh, that was show you business. Yeah, that was show business. They dressed up to be on TV, and so that meant grown up to me. Mm-hmm. You know, was was dressing that way, and it was like it always felt like the magic of. Sitting at the top of the stairs when the grown-ups are having a party. Oh, yeah. And you're supposed to be in bed. Yeah. And just listening to the sounds of drunk adults. (laughs) Uh,
2: Specifically drinking. And also, this was a time when smoking was, that's what you did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, So, as the child at the top of the stairs, you're sitting... In that residual haze yeah. of the grown-up smoke, yeah. and you can sm- hear the clinking, and yeah. and all of a sudden the weird, laughing. the weird loud laughing, yeah, of, too loud laughing of your gr- of your parents and their friends going, yeah. Ah, ha, ha, yeah, look at her, that kind of stuff where you're like, I don't know what they're laughing about, yeah, but
3: that's, but it's magic, yeah, it's magic. Another another big influence, and I I don't I I don't think I've ever said this before. I don't cuz I don't think I realized what an influence it was.
2: Next level exclusive. Go ahead, Paul.
3: What? <laughs> match Game. The Match Game game show when I was a kid, oh. which was these people that Some of them you knew from other TV shows, but there were people that were famous for being on Broadway or being authors or whatever, being like Orson Bean. Who was Orson Bean? He was a a raconteur, you know, but it seemed when you watch it now, of course, it's like the basest comedy imaginable. But to me as a kid, it seemed so sophisticated that these grownups were being, they seemed smart to me because they were doing stuff that I didn't understand. Right. But, but they were silly and they were silly with each other and so that combination was amazing like adults being silly
2: well, conversational like it was clearly like this was a, a tv show and they were being funny yeah. but it wasn't characters they were literally just like sitting in chairs they're being themselves answering trivia questions yeah and being at, at, at in those moments the funniest people you've ever seen yeah. richard dawson yeah calling oh, yeah. sat on yeah, the pony yeah. now why would i write i wouldn't write sat on that's in the question i thought i wrote eight <laughs> When I first moved to Los Angeles, um, my roommate, it was right at time when uh, Game Show Network, I think, first really kind of hit. Yeah. Every night, I believe at 6 o'clock, they would show match game back to back. One match game and then one match game p.m. Yeah when Match Game became such a hit as a daytime game show, yeah. they added a nighttime, it was no different, but they called it Match Game right. PM. And so that's how big this show was. Yeah. Like the only thing I can compare it to is when Millionaire, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, first appeared a few years ago mm-hmm. and they ran it all of a sudden every night. It was this <laughs> crazy, right. yeah. America went game show bonkers. Yeah. Um, I just, and so we would sit in our house in Valley, Valley Village mm-hmm. and just watch them and think, who are these? People? Who is Brett Summers? Right. I now know she was married to Jack Klugman, right. but other than that, she was that drunk, funny lady. Yeah.
3: On that I, show, I, I think she was from the stage. Yeah. You know, I really do think that she was from from theater. And uh, it, it it the the thing about it was that when you look at it now and you realize, you know, being inside show business, they probably shot the entire season in four days. Yes. And so there's like there, there are you're watching people. Who are drunk sometimes? Sometimes. Oh, actively, because they're just like that's just the era, you know. Mm -hmm. It was the era, and um, they've never been able to recapture that. Really, I don't think they've ever been able to recapture that. Really.
2: uh, Well, I don't. I mean, uh, they've made attempts to remake that show, but but the but what makes that show special is you can't do that now. You can't have a show where it's pretty much understood. Oh, they're all shit faced. (laughs) You can't really show the cast right now. Of I'm trying to pick of like, whatever, Devious Maids or whatever. Like, and like, oh yeah, they're all just drunk, right, on TV.
3: I heard though that Devious Maids is shot drunk. Oh my like, god, like all the cast and crew are drunk.
2: The stories that everybody tells at the Hollywood Canteen, right. where everyone in showbiz hangs out. Yeah. those Devious Maids right. are nothing but trouble. Right. Uh, Gene Rayburn, the host of Match Game, lived apparently like in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. He lived there. Flew into Hollywood for, I think, it's like a couple weeks. Yeah. Shot a season in a couple weeks and then just lived. Good gig. Yeah. Good gig. Yeah. So talking about TV then, were there any other TV shows that were sort of fundamentally big to you growing up? Sitcoms at the time.
3: Were huge. Yes. Um, and yes. it was like all those Gary Marshall shows Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely like the hour of power that was Happy Days followed by Laverne and Shirley. I don't, I can't, maybe Tuesday nights it was or something like that. That's right. And man, oh man, I was in heaven.
1: Now I would let him go unless you want to make medical history. <laughs>
2: I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, Good and uh, the, those shows, Happy Days and Laverne Shirley, were set in Milwaukee. Yeah. So I had a that very strange proprietary, like, that's I've been to Milwaukee before, you guys, so those are kind of like my shows. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be on them, but right. I kind of get it. Shots, <laughs> I'm surely Destined. Yeah, Shots, Shots Brewery. That's probably really Schlitz Brewery, you guys. So anyways. Welcome back, Cotter. Oh, Which yeah. Huge.
3: Oh, my Which huge. That was heartbreaking when I saw that show for the first time as an adult. And it's dreadful. Yeah. It's dreadful. <laughs> it really like, how was that a hit? That, again, three channels. Yeah. But you would think three channels, it would be even more cutthroat. Like, no, get this off of
2: here. How did that become, how did that even make it to one of the three channels? Well, because I think it was also that time of, he. W- Gabe Kaplan was the star. He was Mr. Cotter. Yeah. Like, he was essentially just doing his stand-up act in that show. Which was old jokes. Yeah. And
3: and I mean, they they called from his stand up his, I guess his stories about growing up in Brooklyn Mm. and they made these characters. Oh, yeah. they were all kind of based on his stand up.
2: Yeah. And like John, if you don't haven't watched that show, John Travolta came out of that show. Yeah, Uh, Mr. Woodman, just a classic comedy (laughs) character we all love. Remember Mr. Woodman? Yes, of course. The principal, yeah, who was a prototypical frustrated, frustrated, mean principal. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Cotter was a former terrible student at this high school. Mm -hmm. Now came back to teach. The theme song, uh, um, uh, just mocking, just like you thought you were going to get out of here. Your dreams were your ticket out. Mm-hmm. Welcome back.
2: And you know the guy, is it Sebastian? John Sebastian? John Sebastian. So the guy who sings that, he, around that same time, was a musical guest on Saturday Night Live. And so I remember him vividly. I kind of remember that too, yeah. With, with a guitar on a stool, singing that song, and then he starts encouraging the audience, come on, everybody, you all know my famous <laughs> theme to Mr. Cotter. Everybody, let's all, welcome back. And I remember as a child just going, that's not cool. Welcome back your dreams were your ticket out. did they sing along i think they kind of did because every the cameras are around the audience are like what are you going to be the one person in the audience is like i'm not singing your dumb tv right. song musical guest john sebastian <laughs> oh and so you're also working at snl now too right that's, that's right <laughs> uh, i just saw they just did the documentary apparently for the last years of his life pardo didn't live in new york he lived in like I heard that too. Uh, yeah, and he recorded it from home or something, right? Yeah. Uh, what a great gig is that? Yeah. You're out by the pool. Hey, uh, Don, I just need you to. Uh, Christian Slater. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Another bad creation.
3: <laughs> man, oh man, the, the 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 flavor of the month booking of that show. Over the years, like when it started out, my earliest memory of watching SNL Mm -hmm. was the episode where Ron Nesson, who was Gerald Ford's press secretary, hosted the show.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Ron Nesson.
1: Uh, Thank you very much. I guess, uh, I guess a lot of you are wondering why the press secretary to the president is acting as the host on a live late night comedy show. And I remember watching that at my cousin's house
3: after like a – my, my cousin lived right next door to us. We shared a, uh, a, a duplex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was my family on one side, their family on the other side. And then, of course, the monsters living in the walls. Yes. I, I, look, I, I've said all I want to say about those monsters. Uh, I don't feel like this is... Be, if people want to find out about the monsters that lived in the walls mm-hmm. between my house and my cousin's house, right? it's on the record. You can find that information. I don't want to get
2: into it here. Your book is available on Amazon. Yes. It's Paul F. Tompkins, Monsters Lived in My Walls. Yeah. 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 From Penguin Books. So there you go.
3: But penguins, some people consider them monsters. Maybe book two.
2: I'm sorry. I derailed you.
3: But but I remember seeing that show and I I remember seeing the B-52s on that show and thinking this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yes. I remember seeing Tom Waits on that show as (laughs) a musical guest. Uh,
2: TV wise now. Mm -hmm. What are you watching? I don't watch much comedy anymore. Because of your profession,
3: I, I think so. I think I think it, big part of it is like the older I've gotten and the the more I've done this, the less interested I am in jokes. I find that jokes become to me uh, just very much a mathematical formula, right? And so there were shows like uh, that my my colleagues really enjoyed that I just could not enjoy because it just felt like I felt like I was seeing the page you mm-hmm. know what i mean uh something like 30 rock which sure. man I, I people love that show and and i i watched the first season and kind of enjoyed it and then when it as it went on it got a little crazier and crazier yeah, it did and um and that's what that's what turned a lot of people on and for me it was like oh i kind of liked i liked it when it was a little more grounded and yeah. and you know it was a little more about the real relationships and... and, Yeah, I agree um, with you. You know, so it it kind of... I get why people liked it, but it wasn't... For me, it felt...
2: It it, was a crazy universe. The show started as... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the real world and there are some crazy people in this particular part of the universe. Yeah. And by the end of that show, we had between seasons somewhere we had traveled to a parallel universe where everybody was yeah. nuts yeah yeah
3: drama wise yeah like you know i i was totally on board with mad men and breaking bad and you know all that stuff i feel like this is a really great time for oh, drama yes. on tv oh, you know um something that checks a lot of boxes for me mm-hmm. is penny dreadful ooh i love that show i haven't watched it tell me why you like penny dreadful it's gothic horror, mm-hmm. I'm not a horror guy, but there's something about that, you know, Victorian um, uh, uh, gas lamp, um, right. you know, Dickens, foggy Dickens kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, It's like, I love that. I eat that up. Do you
1: believe there is a demi mon A half world between what we know and what we fear. The place in the shadows, rarely seen, but deeply felt. Do
3: you
2: right. watch Doctor Who at all?
3: I do, and so this so season is, is, I'm still watching it. I'm still watching it. Where
2: are you in this season? I'm all caught up. Oh, you are. I'm all caught up. Yeah. I'm ca- I'm about halfway through this most recent season and I'm actually starting to get excited again about Doctor Who. It's interesting. I feel like we're, we're blessed if you're a Doctor Who fan, this is a great time because you're getting a ton of Doctor Who stuff as opposed to as opposed <laughs> yeah. to like the Tom Baker thing where it seemed like one episode was six hours long. Yeah,
3: it would be like four four installments right. would be a storyline. Right. Yeah. And,
2: and it was, you know, just... T- and
3: they would show them like on PBS, you would get one a week. Yeah. You know,
2: that, one half hour a week. That is how I first discovered Monty Python is... Uh, yeah, in, absolutely. In Wisconsin, where I grew up, they would show Doctor Who, I think like on Saturday nights at like eight. And mm-hmm. I remember one particular night, Doctor Who ended at like 10... And just for whatever reason, like, I just was like, well, what's on next? And all of a sudden it was John Cleese sitting at that desk saying, Mm -hmm. "And now something completely different. And then, like, there was a naked woman in a pile or something. And I remember just being like, (laughs) why is there a naked woman on television? (laughs) What's going on right now? How is this allowed? (laughs) Yeah. I I remember, like, flipping the channel to go, nope, that's PBS. Is this a trap? Yeah. Clearly of... (laughs) In my head, because PBS is a child is synonymous with like Sesame Street. It's Mr. like Rogers. homework
3: TV. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like if there ever was a network that was going to completely screw up and accidentally put a naked woman on TV. Right. It was not going to be PBS. <laughs> right. It was probably going to be those crazy sons of bitches at NBC probably because <laughs> they'll just show anything. Super train. Uh, Oh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> you can super train super for the listeners train. for millennials and dum-dums. Super train was a, an NBC, a, a primetime network television show. Was it a show
2: or was it just a movie that they oh, wanted? No, it, to was it was a show. It was, it was
3: a, it was a, a famous failure, a uh, famous I failure. I remember seeing that. it, but I yeah. just remember seeing it once. It's on YouTube. You can find it. And it's, I watched, I watched uh, the pilot recently with some friends and it's, uh It's insane. It's insane. It was supposed to be like a sort of,
2: you know, love boat
3: boat kind of thing, Fantasy Island, where it's like every week we can have different guest stars, and they all have their individual stories as
2: they travel by train, (laughs) (laughs) by super train. train. (laughs) It's the fastest train in the world, (laughs) and it apparently has. Like on a, you know, normally on a train, the rooms are all narrow. On the super train, there was apparently it was like the TARDIS. Oh yeah, you have a stateroom. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, go anywhere.
3: I'll be in the living room of my of my room on this train.
2: <laughs> I give you super train. <laughs> Paul, we're gonna take it to the next level now. Fuck. Yeah, that's right. So put your hand down, and I'm going to do this knife thing between your fingers. Mumbly peg! <laughs> oh, is that what that is? Yeah, I think that's called mumbly peg. Oh, I don't like knowing that. <laughs> the next guest is going to be, of course, from creator of Hannibal. He's working on American Gods, now Brian Fuller. Yeah. Why did you pick Brian Fuller as the person you want to talk to?
3: The stuff that Brian does is, um, it's not just beautiful, which it is. Everything that he has done on television from uh Wonderfalls to uh Dead Like Me to um Mockingbird Lane. Mockingbird which I've never seen. Oh, it's good. I've never seen it. I've heard it's good. I liked it. It's so rich and so beautiful. You talking about
2: visually beautiful.
3: Yeah, visually beautiful. But there's so much genuine emotion and heartbreak in mm-hmm. everything that he does. And there's there's always like a um a lovely sadness that is clearly uh, I'm gonna find out. I guess it's clearly something that's that's very important to him. Yeah, you know, it's super effective. and the way that he sees the world. And that's why, like when he did Hannibal, it was amazing to me that this was not his source material. This right. is not a thing that he made. It didn't necessarily come from his heart and soul, but he made it into a Brian Fuller thing.
2: Yeah. That's a great way to wrap up this part. We're gonna be right back. We take it to the next level with Brian Fuller. Welcome back to Next Level. We've been talking with comedian Paul F. Tompkins about some of the stuff he loves, and now, ta da da we're going to bring in the creator of one of Paul's favorite things. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Brian Fuller, Yay. creator of Hannibal. Ooh. Brian? Yes? Of all the Friday the 13th of series episodes, <laughs> oof, do you have... I mean, you clearly have a favorite, but is there
1: one that sort of touches you in a way? Uh, you know, I have to admit, I I'll, as much as I love Friday the 13th, the series, mm-hmm. I am a huge fan of Friday the 13th, the movie series. Ooh. which always, uh, Robie, being who she is, bless you. paled for me in comparison to... Amy Steele and Adrian King. Oh, the, wow. You know, those those ladies. What do you think of the
2: reboot? The one, was it like four years ago
1: now? Yeah, the Marcus Nispel director. Yes. I think it, it, it forgot some of the lessons of Friday the 13th, which was those were all good kids yeah.
2: that fell before. Don't feed the Friday the 13th after midnight. Nope. Don't get the Friday the 13th sweat. Nope. There are so many Friday the 13th.
3: And
1: rules. never
2: fall in love. Yeah. <laughs> That's
1: true. That's always a
3: good rule. Um, That's a bodyguard rule, I think. Uh, never let her out of your sight. I forget. There's like three rules
1: to the bodyguard. Uh,
3: never let her out of your sight. I'll, something. Always never love you. Love. Will always love you. Will always love you.
1: I will. Never fall in love. Right. <laughs> uh, aren't they redoing that's confusing. that with
3: Yeah,
2: right?
1: Be, they were threatening to redo that. Yeah, for a while. Was it, is Beyonce attached? Am I, I think that's crazy what I for heard. thinking that? That sounds familiar.
2: Who's going to take care of Beyonce, though? Who's, the, who's her bodyguard? It's going
1: to be Kevin Costner again.
2: Uh, Brian, the reason you're here is because we're talking about the things that we love. And Paul loves you paul do you want to get the ring brian you are a thing that i love
1: uh, the feeling is mutual <laughs> <clears throat>
2: uh no we're talking about friday the 13th movies are
1: you're a big horror nerd right? i love horror i'm uh, yes and a horror nerd what
3: was when you were a kid what was the was it all at once what was the first thing for you was it horror was it sci-fi
1: was it well I, the sweet spot was alien because it was horror okay. sci-fi right Ooh. there we go and that activated me in a way that did you see uh, it in the theater? No, I saw it at 6 a.m. on Showtime because it was only, which we were pirating because right. my dad was an electrician. And ah, there you go. Come on. Sure. I'll yeah. to that. High fives all around for that one. <laughs> he climbed the telephone pole and hooked us up. Did he really? That's
3: amazing. Yes.
1: Yes. It was all illegal. And so I saw it at 6 a.m. because it was only 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. because it was right. a kid thing or right. an adult thing. And I put a tent over the TV so it cast no light and watched that. And Was, it, was
3: everybody else asleep while you yeah, were doing
1: this? Yeah. Oh, how, how, now, did you know it was going to be on? I. It was all plotted because I had seen the alien photo novel at the grocery store that had <laughs> photo all novels! the pictures. Do you remember photo oh, novels? G- man, I
3: do. Again, uh, we always like to address the millennials and the dum-dums. <laughs> 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 photo novels were a thing that it was perfect for kids. Yes. It was perfect. It was They would take a popular thing... And they would just take stills yeah. from it. I remember Star Trek photo novel. Oh yeah, they would take stills from whatever it was, and then they would put in speech bubbles. So you, were, you like a were, comic book? Yeah, like a comic book with photos. Uh, oh, I didn't know there glasses. was an alien
1: photo novel. It's amazing. I I will. I have a couple of them. Of I, I, you do. I will. I will get you one immediately. We'll have you have to write me your address down, and Absolutely. you have to have it.
2: Do, Absolutely. Do you have just like a pallet of them in your garage? going Like. Oh. I- Another uh, one out.
1: I, if I find them in uh, good condition, I I generally will get them again because sure. I'm an addict and yeah. I want to recreate the endorphin flow that right. came from buying it the first time.
3: Now, when, so when you so you read this when you were a kid, and then um, and you you saw that it was going to be on Showtime, and so you you plot this out. Now, even though you know the the story, what was that what was that experience of watching that movie for the first time? Uh,
1: it was. Surreal because it was finally moving those pictures. Yes. Yeah. And um, it was as if the movie were tailor made for me because mm-hmm. I lo- I loved horror and I had seen things, uh, you know, like the haunting and mm-hmm. those types of things. And the fact that it was horror science fiction oh, hybrid was perfect. And that's where that's my sweet spot. That's my favorite genre. Yeah. Uh, how old were you? I was nine. Wow when I saw it
3: yeah. yeah is that still in your mind the example against which all other types of things like that are judged
1: I would say so because it it, it was a it was so meticulously art designed and that's mm-hmm. something that, that I think was a heavy influence and I, all the psychology of it actually the reason I became uh, that I went to film school was because I was studying psychology and I was using the movie alien as a uh, a psychological experiment in no, that. kidding. How much do you enjoy a film if you know the psychological subtext or if you just appreciate it as a popcorn thriller? An alien, you have a penis-headed monster who disrupts mm-hmm. a mother's uh, care for her, quote-unquote, children. You have vagina-shaped doors. You have a fallopian tube-shaped ship. Mm-hmm. So the,
2: the, the, the computer is mother. Mother, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is
1: nuts. Who, who turns her kids over to a big cock. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> essentially.
3: This set design on that, it is, it's so meticulous and it's so, you really feel like you're in that world. Yeah. They did such a great job of like, this is the future, but everything's kind of beat up because right. this is like a working person's ship. You know, mm-hmm. this is like um, a blue collar kind of you space know. truckers. Wasn't yeah. The yeah. Of the yeah, yeah. 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 And but, mumbling as
1: art. But yeah. there's
3: this one room that they go into that's just all blinking lights. <laughs> <and> it's like, <laughs> what purpose? <laughs> what? Is there someone on this ship who's like,
1: I have to learn what all these fucking lights mean a, before I get my certificate or whatever? A23 and Z16 are out. Right. We need to replace Uh-oh, the bulb. that's bad news. Yeah. Uh.
2: <laughs> you know what that means. And isn't that look of that, That's wasn't that kind of a reaction also to Star Wars? Yeah, because with- yeah, everything was sleek. Everything was like. In 2001.
3: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: yeah.
3: yeah. Oh, no. Oh. Don't touch it.
1: Don't touch it. Yeah, well, you have Aliens, which I loved as well. Yeah, absolutely. But oh, it's not the art so film. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: I, I, to me, that was the first time I remember seeing a sequel and going, oh, they figured it out. In the same world, but we're not making another horror thing. This is a action thing. Like, they shifted the gears, and by adding a bunch of dudes with guns against a shit ton of those aliens, I'm like, Th- that thing was so cool. good. So, you, you started with Alien, and then did you immediately find yourself always drawn to that sort of horror genre?
1: Well, I was, uh, I remember seeing Black Christmas when I was Ooh, wow. very, very small, which is. Have you seen it recently? I've never seen it. It's great. And it is the mother Mm -hmm. of all of these holiday stock and slash.
0: A high school girl's been murdered. Mr. Harrison's daughter is missing. And now at the house where she lives, the other girls are getting obscene phone calls.
1: It's like pre-Halloween by like five years oh really that much and it was directed by a christmas story and porky's director bob uh i'm gonna say
2: but it's not adams but it's in that is it bob kane no he created batman
3: brian what is it about what is it about the 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 horror genre that speaks to you um and how does it connect to your work
1: I love strong female characters. Mm-hmm. And traditionally in horror films, you have strong female characters who survive past all of the other assholes who, mm-hmm. who fall before the blade. Mm-hmm. And I think that that translates that you see it in Alien. Mm-hmm. Like Ripley was originally supposed to be a guy. and then, Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah. And I did not know that. I, I love the feminism of horror movies mm-hmm. and also the stakes are so high, like, like you're going to die. Like there's yeah. there, that's, that's a, a want to live is a good character motivation. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <So> <laughs> It's just really through, through, but through the gore, there's a visual aspect, which I think is so big in all of your work as well. Just sort of like the, just the red and the guts and the stabbing and shit.
1: Well, it's, <laughs> it's opera. Like instead of mm-hmm. consumption, killing off the young lovers, it's, Jason Voorhees mm. or Freddy Krueger or Michael Myers. So there's there's something very operatic about horror films because yeah. everything is so dramatic.
3: Death is something that uh, figures into. I I think it's safe to say all of your work. Yeah, that it's, yeah. it's it's a, it's a real. I mean, obviously, it's like something like Dead Like Me. Yeah. A lot, right? Um, the about- title, <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know, pushing up daisies, and and uh, obviously uh, Hannibal, and and um, Mockingbird Lane, um, Mockingbird Lane, which I still haven't seen. That's the one thing that I still haven't seen. It's varying degrees of of uh, specificity about death, where sometimes it's like it's very casual, just like the the, the mentions of death or the idea that uh, we could we're all going to die. And sometimes it's more overt, but it's always kind of there in everything. Um, the just the idea of mortality. Two things that that jump out of me uh, with Wonderfalls and Dead Like Me is the idea of frustration at what is my role in the universe, and that in both of those you have. Uh, people that are being given mysterious messages, they're not being shown the whole picture, um, and they have to figure it out as best they can.
1: Yes, I think there's something to wondering what the answer is, but accepting that you may not get it. Right. And I think there's there's something fascinating, uh, you know, Like right around the time that Lord of the Rings was coming out, the first one, there was an astrophysicist who basically said, we are all holographic projections. And we have developed technology that is creating simulations of how alien life would evolve on another planet. And it's so sophisticated that it's not terribly far out of reach to suggest that we are... A simulation of how human life would develop on this planet. And and I remember they were talking about the orcs right. in Lord of the Rings. You know, the little CGI orcs who are programmed to get to the castle. Mm-hmm. And if a tree falls in front of them or a giant elephant, they have to go around or through or under. But mm-hmm. they're programmed with problem solving. And so are we mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And there was uh, the guy, Cope. Who made his? Who had a name? Uh, his he taught his computer how to compose music. Okay. So he the first time he did it, he taught his computer to compose music and sent it into um, you know music experts, and they were like, "That's a very nice song that your computer made," and don't waste our time and then he taught the computer all of the rules of composition but gave the computer permission to break the rules and then it composed another piece and he sent it into the music experts and they were like who is this new talented star that you've discovered and he's like it's my computer so we're comp- like the way we process information the way we need to reboot all of that stuff Ooh. it feels like that makes more sense to me than anything in the bible and it also makes life a little bit more digestible just to say like okay we're it's a game and we have to play the game mm-hmm. and you have to play it well and you have to play it by certain rules and you have to learn and adapt and grow or not and then that reflects how much you actually get out of life so it makes us being holograms or simulations actually makes life so much more understandable for me than to say that there's a magic sky bully who's you know wagging his finger to get (laughs) religio politically
2: (laughs) philosophical uh when you're doing something like paul before you came in paul and i were discussing like hannibal and that's a different thing for you because that's you taking somebody else's sort of whatever idea and sort of finding what you respond to in that right um what was that process like for you like like as soon as they somebody says to you a lecture you like i'm in or does that give you pause for a moment you have to think about uh, do i want to play in somebody else's sandbox
1: um i re- like because i'm such a fan of thomas harris's yeah. writing and it's so Purple and bloated and artistic, (laughs) Mm that uh, I was attracted by the sumptuousness of just like you know rubbing those grapes all over my body and and making wine (laughs) And and you've used
2: opera as a reference a couple times now i mean i think i feel like opera and that and that character in that world like that's hand in hand like isn't Mm -hmm. that kind of how he sees like he wants everything to be beautiful and lavish but as soon as like like in that early episode some girl says something and like and like you can see him looking at her going she's rude Right. And, and that, like, that shocks his, and you're like, she's done.
1: my girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, f- for me, it was, there were two things going on. I said yes immediately. They were like, do you think Hannibal could be a series? And I was like, yes. And it's all about the relationship between Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter Oh, so good. And they were like, oh, but we were thinking, like, younger Hannibal. I was like, no, no, huge mistake. <laughs> like, he's got to be a man. He can't be a boy. He can't be a punk.
3: Oh, like a prequel kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. They,
1: they were like, let's do Hannibal Rising right. And I was like, no, Hannibal Rising can't be done right yeah. It mm-hmm. just can't.
2: Yeah, it's like fighting out why Wolverine is why Wolverine. Is. It's like no, we just want to see him as is. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't want to see Wolverine as just some Canadian dude. Well, common <laughs> misconception.
1: Oh, a small Canadian dude. That's right. Oh,
2: just a little Canadian
1: guy. He's half of Hugh Jackman <laughs> yeah. the in the comics. yeah, in the comic books, he's actually like a little fancy lad who. He's gay in the comics, isn't he? Or wasn't there suggestions there's I, think
2: there's. I think he's been around so long he could be... Everything. Yeah, I He's think, just like, I,
1: if it moves.
2: Yeah, I think he's a samurai. Is he, he immortal or something? Well, he, is, he regenerates, so he ages way slower than I us. I see, I see. Yeah, like... See. And, 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 like, they make that mistake as soon as... Part of what was fun about Wolverine is, you don't know who that guy is. Right. We just know he's around forever. And then as soon as you go, like, oh, no, he's, like, in a frilly little boy. He's like in, in, like a, in, like... Like a, a Little Lord Fauntleroy, kind of? Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, the big reveal is that... In the comic book, there's sort of like the the woodsman and his rough son, and you're like, oh, the the rough son, that's Wolverine, and then there's this little fancy boy in the house, and her, and the, the end of the first comic is the fancy boy has these bone claws pop out of his hand. Bone hands. claws, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, Paul. Does he ever have a gigantic lollipop? <laughs> mm-hmm. He has a hoop and a stick. He runs
3: <laughs> yeah. those right down the street. All right, all right. Are, are there fandoms that, uh, is there like a, a franchise or something like that, that is a sort of little engine that could for you that was not a huge, it was maybe not as, it never achieved like Star Wars status or something, but that you have a fondness for? Well, the fanables
1: I have a huge fondness for, mm. and that's like the the little fandom that could because the oh show was sort of obscure and small. And it was all these really smart young women mm-hmm. who responded to this weird pretentious art show <laughs> <Right>. about cannibalism <laughs> Why and is pretentious brotherly love because
2: of the look of it because it was
1: well it's i mean hannibal is pretentious like yeah. he's, he's an esthete and the you know the text is very pretentious in in the most beautiful respectable way mm-hmm. but it is purple and bloated and over the top mm-hmm. and i love it mm-hmm. so that fandom Fascinates me because I never thought that young women would be the ones to respond to the show most passionately.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. See, horror was a genre from when I was younger that I couldn't I couldn't do. It was it me was too. too scary. I couldn't do it from because I think it was from watching like creature double features when I was little and just being like it just it all like filled me with dread and so I couldn't do it. And to this day, it's a, it's a very difficult genre for me. The one exception being zombie movies, which is a thing that. I can I I have seen I got now I got to go back and see these this other sort of divergent series of Mm -hmm. Living Dead movies because I never saw
1: them. The first one's great. The other ones. Okay. What's your favorite zombie movie?
3: Maybe which is the one the George Romero one that's in the mall? Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. I love that movie. It's
1: It's it's perfect. Yeah. George Romero brings back the dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here and it's so smart the george romero the first couple of zombie movies and even day of the dead but particularly dawn of the dead is a really smart film very political like Mm -hmm. everything it was saying about class systems and like how the ghettos were the first to go because everybody was not paying attention if it happened in the ghettos that was their problem and it was kind of a, a let them kill themselves off sort of reaction that that turned on society in a really savvy way well it is very human uh, in a strange way the the whole zombie problem you look at the walking dead and i think the reason it resonates with so many people because it's like what society is vibrating at such a strange frequency right now that it feels like it could it could either break apart or solidify like we're in that liquefaction state of of the of what it is to be a human being compassion Mm -hmm. is going out the window Mm -hmm. for a lot of people in in politics where it just seems surreal that someone would be talking about killing innocents as a way to teach those bad guys a lesson yeah and they're running for president.
2: Yeah. Anything uh, outside of horror that you are really enjoying right now, in terms of I don't know, TV or film or anything. Fargo. Like
1: yeah. Vargo's <laughs> amazing. Have you? Do you watch Vargo? Yes. I do. I'm not caught up. I'm not caught up either. But go ahead. It's great. Mm-hmm. I love season one. I love season two even better. Son, you have three seconds to pick your ass up and get out of here, or I'm going to squash you like a bug. You know what? I don't. I don't know how you
3: feel about this. I'm not a big stickler about spoilers.
1: I'm not either I like yeah, sometimes it sometimes
3: it enhances the thing if it's like oh I know that these people are going to get to this point yeah now I'm seeing now I know something that the characters don't know
1: thank God for Wikipedia and <laughs> the wiki of fire and ice because like the mountain was going up against the <laughs> oh, the, the viper oh, yeah the viper and I was like okay how much influence or how much investment should I take in Pedro Pascal and so I went on and I was like who lives and there were curses, like no he dies and I was like okay I know I know oh, you did that ahead I, of time yeah because i just like it there's a an anxiety response that i have to some things so spoilers actually help alleviate (laughs) some of that stuff oh sure I, there was some website that was like, everything you want to know about next season on Game of Thrones spoiled by an insider. And I clicked that shit and I read <laughs> all about it. And <laughs> now I'm like bragging to people about it. I, I can tell you everything that happens. Oh. Well, it's part of the thrill right. of, in, of horror movies that you get anxious. And then there's sometimes where it's just unpleasant. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. where it's so tense that, that like, I don't know if I could see Sicario. Right. Oh, would, right 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 uh, I would be I would
2: highly recommend it. It's great. Stuff.
3: I haven't seen it. I, I my wife saw it. My wife saw it and there were two drunk people. There was like a drunk <laughs> couple in the back of the theater <laughs> that was making noise and everything so the cops were called and the lights went up and then it was this tense moment because now it's like now going to the movies is uh see the back of your mind a somewhat scary activity yeah. oh yeah because who knows what's gonna happen we had it at star wars you know
1: me and my friends Metal were detectors. like
3: where are we sitting and where can we get out just in case something happens and so- are those
1: seat backs high enough to to, <laughs> exactly. to block a bullet exactly. if i'm hiding behind yeah them. yeah
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i as a kid was like you, like Paul, I was very scared of horror movies. And I remember it must have been around 1980. They aired on TV something called the Science Fiction Awards. Mm -hmm. And and the only reason I remember this is because Mark Hamill was on it. And I was very, because like Star Wars. And he was presenting something. It's like, and now a scene from Alien. And they showed the dinner (laughs) scene with the thing. The chestburster? Yeah. On television. Wow. Uh, the thing popped out and again I'm I don't know I'm 8 or something like that. Yeah. I remember just going like I can't ever watch movies again. <laughs> it was so fucking terrifying it was the reverse of before paul and i were talking about seeing monty python on tv and seeing a naked lady on tv and not quite understanding it it was the reverse of that going i can't ever turn on a tv because <laughs> maybe a guy's gonna explode and they're not gonna cut away uh is there anything uh that you're reading right now obviously you're working on uh american gods yes, so yes. You, which is an adaptation of the neil gaiman yes uh, uh novel yeah
1: yeah which is uh a great book and will be a really fun series Mm -hmm. when is
2: that is is there an air have you even started anything you're writing it we
1: are a little over halfway through all uh, writing all the scripts and how many
2: episodes in your first
1: that's good and we start shooting in March so we're we're getting everything oh you're going yeah have you
2: I'm not gonna ask you spoiler stuff are you casting and stuff have you got we're in the process
1: of casting but we haven't
2: cast anybody yet got it okay that's exciting yeah well listen to him Hey, everybody, it's Chris. One more time, I just want to re-emphasize some of the stuff we talked about today. I'm going to call this, like, this is my hit list. These are my favorites. With Paul, we've talked about, obviously, great sketch stuff. Go watch The Match Game on Game Show Network. Uh, there's a new version on ABC right now with Alec Baldwin. They kept the theme music, y'all. SNL episode with Ron Nesson. Go back to those early SNLs, and you'll be surprised at how long everything takes. And of course, Super Train on NBC. I love shows like that, like that, and Fantasy Island and The Love Boat, where celebrities come on and sort of have like mini-adventures, oh, the best. Uh, With Brian Fuller, guys, Friday the 13th, the series. It is great. If you like your horror in hour-long installments, and you enjoy a beautiful Canadian redhead by the name of Roby, you need to look no further than Friday the 13th of the series. And then finally, uh, I'm gonna check out the Fire and Ice Wiki. Uh, All those spoilers. Uh, I love Game of Thrones, and I also like finding out ahead of time who's gonna die, so I'm gonna check all these out. Oh, but wait, one more thing. If you wanna find some of the stuff that we talked about, look down at your screen, look at your phone. Thanks to the Howl.fm app, it's all right there for you. Check out these things. Immerse yourself in the culture. That's what we do, right? We don't talk to each other. We just watch stuff. This is Chris. Thanks for listening. Next time.